and welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks. Whether you are planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. Thanks for tuning in during this in-between holiday week. We're taking it easy with the top 10 list today. Happy listening! So what's up? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas to everybody. Yep. we Happy almost New Year. So happy. Happy holidays, everybody. Yeah, we're at my parents right now. We've been traveling a ton already this break. Went to Iowa. Yeah, that we spent was... a few days in Backbone State Park, which is really cool. I actually want to go back when there's not, you know, a foot of snow on the ground. But... Because I've heard there's a lot of good hiking and things like that there. Um, but... That was with Elizabeth's family, too. Yep. So that's what we did over Christmas. Really unique way to spend the the Christmas. I think uh, we all had different levels of, of trepidation and anticipation for the uh, non-Wi-Fi, totally cut-off uh, cabin in the middle of the woods that did have heat actually and it did have plenty of beds but uh we were some people weren't necessarily necessarily sure what we were getting into when are you we trying went to call there. out maria right now <laughs> no no i would never do that <laughs> we love you maria <laughs> <laughs> no it was great it was it was played a lot of games we ate a lot of cookies and had a lot of fun and now we're here in louisville with cole's family um, doing the same thing. I'm gonna have to roll out of, out of the break. Like we're because we're gonna go on vacation too. Yeah, but we got uh, an awesome list for today. So mm-hmm. let's uh, get into it. Um, oh well, first of all, okay. So we have our parks in the news segment, and this time. I w- Cole's in charge. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen, guys. <laughs> don't worry. I got this. Um, so I was reading an article, actually, and, uh, you know, believe it or not, I reading news. Um, no, I have Google Alerts set up for my national parks news, so that's always fun to keep tabs on the parks. And basically, I saw that Rocky Mountain National Park was in the news for adding <laughs> land to their national park. It was a big deal. They added a whole 12 and a half <laughs> acres. Not 12,500 acres. I, I wish I could put this in context of how many thousands of acres are in the actual park. But just imagine that 12 and a half is like a drop in the ocean for a national park. But it is significant. It is, I'd say, newsworthy because the... So it's in the Wild Basin area, and they bought it from um, basically a, a private, you know, owner who had a house on this land that was right up against the park, or I think actually jutted into the park. And you know, it's not just the twelve and a half acres. It's you know, you can see that development from maybe miles around. There's a road that goes to it that actually means that the 12 and a half acres turns into 30 acres of new parkland because that road will be taken out. 
So it is, you know, 12 and a half sounds like nothing, but I would argue that it's a significant victory. Anytime you can kind of uh, take land and, and preserve it for the public good, especially in such an amazing place like Rocky Mountain, and preserve it for, you know, hopefully the next hundred years of the Park Service, I think that's really cool. So basically, let's let's take all those small steps we can. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to make fun of for how little the amount of land is, but it is important. It's it's uh, something to celebrate. Yeah. For sure. Ha- Merry Christmas, Rocky Mountain <laughs> National Park. <laughs> All right, you want to start with what we're talking about today, Cole? For sure. Okay, so today we have a really fun top 10. Um, and this was, you know, when we were on our trip, we were gone for almost the entire year. We came back home a few times, but we um, slept had to sleep every night somewhere. So (laughs) most of the time we, I think we calculated that of the three of, you know, about 340 days of our trip, because we, it was uh, about two weeks shy of a year. Um, we slept on the ground outside about 300 of those days. Yeah, that sounds so, about right. Maybe yeah. maybe two eighty. I don't know for sure. Yeah, we had a little bit of time at home where we were in a bed. We had a we had a week in Hawaii where we were in my grandma's timeshare. We had a week in Virgin Islands where we were with Cole's family. We had a week in American Samoa. So I did some of the those times added up too. Um, so, so let's say two seventy five to two eighty, uh, which is still a significant amount of time in a tent outside on the ground. And so we did have our fair share of run-ins with campsites campgrounds um we did a lot of especially towards the second half of our year we did a lot of free um bureau of land management land blm land and and forest service land that we slept in um which we wouldn't consider a campsite a camp uh, this the we're, what we're talking about today are developed campgrounds within the national parks right and so we came up with a few criteria, and those are the, the three V's of the Switchback kids. Yeah, I had two V's. Patent pending. And I was really... Or trademark this, pending. The third one's kind of a stretch. Maybe copyright pending. Because I, I like... I don't know. I'm not I'm not a legal guy. Alliteration. I'm talking about one thing you're talking about. <laughs> We're both trying to make a point. Okay. <laughs> Except my point was just trying to annoy your point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So here's my point. I, had I two- need to go to law school instead of MBA <laughs> <Shut> school. <up. laughs> okay. I had two V's here, and I was really trying to come up with a third one because why not? So the first V was view. So we, we and this doesn't always mean like a sweeping vista of, of a view. Um, but that but helped. That helps, yeah. So sometimes we had those amazing views when we opened up our tent, you know, our tent door, great views. Um, also, just kind of nestled and spacious sites so we had we liked when the sites were a little bit more spread out when there was a lot of green you know a lot of trees or a lot of plants or a lot of something to kind of separate you from the other people and make you feel more in the in nature yeah maybe you just had a little uh nook of your own that was kind of set off away from all the other sites and there were some big trees around it you know the brush was kind of cleared out and you could hang your hammock somewhere Mm -hmm. Uh, we did that like two times let's be honest (laughs) most of the times most of the national parks are very uh protective of their trees and so you're not allowed to have to hang hammocks in most places um 
in the developed campgrounds at least. Okay, second V is value. And so we like campsites to be cheap, obviously, or worth it. So some of these are more expensive and some of them are very expensive. Um, but we felt like the value that you got for the money was still worth it. And regardless, it's camping trip, so it's going to be cheap. Let's just call it what it is. Mo- you know, some of this didn't, you know, $10 never m- made it or breaked it. <laughs> <laughs> that past tense doesn't rhyme, and I don't like it. You talk for a little bit now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so view value. The third is visitors. Not too annoying of visitors, not too crowded or commercialized for sure. Um, not a bunch of big RVs running their generators, you know, all night. Starting at 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, or right when they wake up, um, which is not usually the time everybody else wakes up. Go figure. Um, but, yeah, we had... Uh, lots of different environments as far as visitors. Some were very crowded, some we were all alone. And I think we could probably do our own top 10 of worst campground neighbors. That would be an interesting oh one. Um, one that comes to mind was Bryce Canyon, where we were right oh. next to, okay, the first night, we were right <laughs> next to this adorable family. And they were in a camper van. They were probably the kids were all so European. excited. They were, yeah, they were international travelers. And, you know, they, they were just, like, playing with their little footballs and stuff like that. Probably the first time they'd had one of those. But, and this is also a campground that is smashed together. Like, yeah. your site, you could, you, could, you know, roll out of your tent and you're in someone else's site, basically. So they were great. And then the next day, they had left and... We didn't think we had anybody next to us until about 10.30. This big van SUV rolls up and like six college kids or who knows, young millennial, no good troublemakers. Okay, stop sounding like you're not (laughs) 27 years old. (laughs) Anyway, they pile out and they start making a fire and they start having their dinner, um, which is fine. I guess they're on like Spain time or something. But um, <laughs> th- then they started, you know, breaking out the libations. Um, okay. <laughs> Cole. Yes? Say words that make you not sound like an 80-year-old curmudgeon. <laughs> Ready, go. But that's my favorite. <laughs> um, anyway, they... It wasn't Nothing just that, that they, they were, were doing was annoying it, up until well, it was 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and they really played their music too loud. But anyway, it wasn't that bad. I enjoyed it. The the funny part was actually, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say that. But um, (laughs) the funny part was in the middle of the night. So they decided to leave at like uh, 5 a.m., I think. And they were getting packing up. Of course, you know, you're going to be pretty loud and wake people up when you do that, especially if they're 10 feet away. So but then one guy starts screaming He's like, oh my gosh, look at that. There's a, it's up in the sky. It's the biggest thing. Uh, and it was it, <laughs> like, at that point, I'm like, I want to see this. I don't care if they're <laughs> annoying me. I, so I raced out of my car and, or the tent and um, was all excited about seeing this, whatever it was, I don't know, spaceship or something. And <laughs> I slept through all of this, by the way. And then, of course, I got out. There was nothing there. I don't know if he was on dope or whatever these kids do these days. You're Um, so annoying. (laughs) 
<laughs> he was just excited. He's probably not been outside much, camping much. Yeah. It was probably like a like a shooting star. But a he big said one. he said it kept getting bigger. Like it was this light that just kept getting bigger and bigger and then apparently it just disappeared before anybody else in his group or me saw it. So <laughs> I'm happy for the kid. Yeah, yeah, we'll say that. They didn't look like they were super, com- you know, they, they looked like they came from this in, uh, they, they just didn't seem like they had a ton of outdoors experience with the way that know. they were. I, I wouldn't activity. say that necessarily, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad they sounded like they're having a good time and enjoying time with friends. That wasn't that annoying yeah. to me. But anyway, that, that was, that was a funny story. Finicky. That was one of our worst. That actually was not our worst campsite. But oh, maybe no. we'll talk about that at the end. Yeah. Shall we get into some good ones? Yes. Okay. So our first campsite actually happened on our very first park that we visited, which is Great Sand Dunes in Colorado, in southern Colorado. And um, our the site is, this one is actually kind of breaks some of our rules because it's not a developed campsite. Um and it's not even that. And I guess first we should say that what we're talking about, the t- these 10 that we're talking about, uh, we did a lot of backpacking and some overnight trips throughout the throughout the whole year, but we're not talking about those at all. So we're talking about either drive-up campsites or easy walk-in campsites. Like a mile or less. Yeah, so so not like a, a backpacking where you have to... I mean, you might, you'll, some of them, you have to carry all your stuff for a little bit, for a mile or so, but they're not like, you know, hike for 15 miles and then go to sleep. So none of them are true backpacking trips, we would say. Um, Okay, so the first one is the dune field in Great Sand Dunes. Yeah, incredible. Like, you could go to the visitor center, get one of the, I don't know, six spots for the dune field for that night. There weren't, there aren't very many each night, so go early in the day. And they're free, free back, free, you have to get a free backcountry permit, but once you do, you can camp anywhere in the dune field, and that's over the first, like, the first ridge, which is kind of hard to get up, but yeah, as long as you... it's a tall ridge. Yeah, but as, as long, once you get past that first ridge, you look over, and it's, like, a different world, and it's so empty, there are no people, there are no footprints, um, it's just an cr- insane camping environment. Yeah, it looks like a Star Wars planet mm-hmm. you know, landscape, and you probably yeah. And we we carried all our stuff, um, but it's you know the sand is so soft you may not even need like a like an air pad or anything. That's true. Just bring a sleeping bag and a tent, and and we. That's all you need. I I will always remember trudging up that you know huge ridge, you know crossing the creek in front of the dune field then trudging up that huge ridge it was getting it was twilight the wind was kind of whipping up and the sand was coming all around us and kind of stinging us in the face but it's it was so cool just to mm-hmm. be walking through that because it was like nothing i'd ever well, done you feel like you're on a different planet yeah because you can't you know all you see in every direction is sand yeah pretty much um and so yeah we just found a, a nice little spot for our tent in one of the bowls. Um, yep, in like a little valley. And then we, the next morning, we got up very early and, you know, went out hiking and tried to make it to the tallest dune, Star Dune, um, which we found out later was like impossibly far from where <laughs> we were. We tried hard and uh, we did not make it. And we started running out of water. And we were like, oh my gosh, 
this trip is going to kill us because yeah. it's the first park and we are starving of water already. So Yeah, we'll have to tell more about that uh, episode when we get to our Great Sand Dunes Park. We do, yeah. We have yeah. some more, yeah, definitely more story about that. But great campsite, amazing views. And we she- did it. Free and completely empty, quiet no yeah, other people right you could like if you climbed up to a high dune you could see other people dotting the dune field but so you know, far away though. yeah they're so far away and when you're in your bowl you're just all alone mm-hmm. the one thing i will say is our second night was ridiculously windy yeah it was very yeah it, i i had this like half dream half being awake like i knew it was windy but in my dream we were getting buried in sand and that was pretty scary <laughs> Yeah, so, and it was so loud, flapping around the tent and everything. Um, so that was a downside. Yeah, but definitely. But overall, so If you ever cool. get an experience to do it, it's really, really cool. And um, no excuses because it's free and fairly easy to access. Yeah. So next, moving along, our we're and we're doing these just in the order that we visited them. So um, Southern Utah, we visited Canyonlands National Park, and our second... Um, on our list of top 10 favorite campsites is called Murphy Point. Yeah, and this is also not a developed campsite, actually. <laughs> we got some down there, I promise. <laughs> but uh, this was really unique. We found it in one of the N- National Geographic Secrets book that when it talked about Canyonlands, it talked about this Murphy's Point campground that was just one spot in, you know, just a mile off the road. And yeah, they only issue one permit for it per night. Yeah, so we thought for sure it was booked, but we went up and nobody was, you know, nobody had it, so we grabbed it. And the permit is $30 for a backcountry permit because this is technically a backcountry campsite, but that $30 also allows you to camp. Um, you can basi- do 14 nights. Yeah. With that same $30, that same permit. As long as they're consecutive nights. Or they do also give you, if you're traveling from one district to another, like Island in the, we traveled Needles to Island in the Sky, they give you basically a travel day. So mm-hmm. that night doesn't have to be consecutive. Anyway, it just specific. It worked out well for us because we got, a, we got a permit and we, um, we, we backpacked in the Needles district. And then we drove around to the other side. We did a, a we camped outside the park in a BLM area and then... It went into the park, and they were able to add on to our permit, which was awesome and very nice of them. Yeah. <laughs> to extend our permit for that same $30 fee. So we loaded up our backpacks and went out to Murphy's Point, Murphy Point, about uh, less than a mile. Yeah, out. it's on the scenic loop. It's just on, it's, it's one of the overlooks, really. Um, in Island in the Sky District. Yeah, so you, you park and you walk out a half mile. Three fourths of a mile. It's not very long. Yeah, I'd say less than a mile. Um, and so you know, it's it's not too. It's pretty easy to access still. And you're the only one on this basically like this cliff that is just opens up to the whole world. It seems like the whole yeah. you know the whole canyon. Um, and it's perfect for sunset. Like that's the that's that was the secret was get there for sunset and then sleep you know sleep there and then get up the next morning and hike out. Um, and we were the only ones there for sunset and he, like picked... other people could come out and, and, you know, watch the sunset there yeah. too. We were the only ones though. And um, we just picked a, a random spot. You know, there isn't a designated 
particular spot you can camp anywhere so we just set up on the rock somewhere mm-hmm. you know high up we had an amazing view right from our camp uh tent yeah not it's not a developed campground at all it doesn't have sites it doesn't have um water it doesn't have bathrooms or anything like that so you'll have to bring everything you need of course but as far as easy backpacking it's i mean super easy and beautiful and like a really good starter I I think if you've never backpacked before and maybe you um, want to start, this would be a great place to start because it's it's not too strenuous of a hike. I mean, it's really flat of a hike. And the view is just unbelievable. Yeah, incredible backcountry benefits with the backcountry hike. Yeah, exactly. All right. Moving on. Number three comes in at Garden Key in Dry Tortugas National Park. So that was, again, Dry Tortugas is 60 miles west of uh, Key West. and It's an island. Yeah, island park in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. And they have a certain number of campsites there. And you can, I mean, it's so small of an island. The, The fort takes up most of it. That's kind of the historic fort that the park protects. But just outside the park, uh, the fort, there's a little beach area, and you can camp on that. And when we were there, there were about, I don't know, six other to eight other people mm-hmm. uh, or campsites. And that was just so cool because you were right on the beach. You right were on literally. The beach. 20 steps from the beach and crabs walking all over yeah huge hermit crabs like scuttling all over your site which is cool yeah behind you you have the big huge brick fort and then in front of you you have the just uh, ocean for days and it's an island so you really feel like you're on the island Mm -hmm. Um, and so the the cheapest way to get to dry tortugas is the ferry their commercial ferry through yankee freedom which is 175 dollars per person um you do have to pay twenty dollars extra to camp so it would it's 195 but you and you can stay for up to three nights and then once you get to the island, it's an additional $15 a night per site. So it is not cheap. But if you're going to Dry Tortugas anyway, we highly recommend that you camp at least one night. Because for that extra, what, $35? Yeah. Um, totally worth it. Amazing. And amazing experience because once the day boat leaves, once the ferry leaves, you know, all the day trippers leave with it. And you are literally one of maybe 10 to 12 people on the whole island. Yeah, and it's, um, yeah, we talk more about it in our, actually, a former podcast on, I think, the cost of exclusivity, we called it, or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, So if you're interested in more Dry Tortugas stories and info, check that one out. Um, Just an amazing experience, though. Yeah, the, the stars incredible because you're out in the middle of the ocean and the waves sound of the waves um yeah don't don't miss the chance to camp if you go out there Mm -hmm. so a similar actually kind of a similar uh vibe is our next easy access campsite which is a drive-up campsite and this is also on an island it's on virgin islands so virgin islands national park um, has one campground and it's called Cinnamon Bay. Yeah, and Virgin Islands National Park is basically most of St. John's Island St. or St. John. St. John yeah. 
Uh, I always got that wrong and sounded like a major tourist. But, uh, you know, Virgin Islands is three islands, St. John, St. Thomas, St. Croix. Main islands, yeah. Yeah, and then... The U.S. Virgin Islands. Yeah, and the park is most of St. John. And incredible beaches, like the best, you know, beaches you've ever seen, best snorkeling I've ever done. And, yeah, so fittingly, the campground is on, uh, right on the beach. And we did actually, since we were flying in, we flew Spirit in. And if you're familiar, they charge you for every little thing, um, <laughs> except for your personal item. You know item. that going in, though. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't want to pay for a carry-on or especially check bags. So we just took a personal item backpack. and Which is a pretty small back, like a school backpack yeah. size of a backpack. For um, about 10 days. And of but course, what, do, what else do you need besides a swimsuit and shorts and a tank top? Yeah, it's <laughs> that's kind of what we figured. Your island gear, that's yeah. all. Yeah. Um, so, but we didn't have any gear, camping gear is our right, point. Right. So we didn't opt to take any camping gear. But what Virgin Islands does at Cinnamon Bay, which is awesome, is they provide you uh, prepared tents, platform tents uh, that you can purchase. Uh, and they have a canvas. And you can r- rent them out for the yeah, night. Yeah, And it's basically just a permanent tent. So it's got wooden planks, and then ours had four cots. I think they all have four, like, individual cots inside. You also get and, – and then it's a covered in canvas with mosquito nets. Um, and then you, you also get, um, like, a picnic table outside of the tent, and you get – they give you a cooler. They give you a stove, like a gas stove. They give you all the cooking utensils you might need. They give you a lantern – what else? Basically anything you need. Towels, linens, um, and then there are showers. They're kind of like outdoor showers. They're not like luxurious showers or anything, but they're, they're sh- you know, they have bathrooms with water, running water and everything. Yeah, they have so water everything... coming out of the spout. What else do you need? <laughs> exactly. Everything you would need for this, um, this vacation. And it's Virgin Islands, so $75 for a platform tent didn't seem that bad compared to other options. If you want, if you want to bring your own things, it's $45 for just a plain bare campsite. Yeah. For us, the, for the extra 30, the you know, uh, not ten, having to bring yeah, the site with everything included was clutch um, for sure. Awesome, awesome place, though. Yeah, and then and, they've and got again 20 steps from the the beach, and you could hear it, you know, from your bed and everything. Amazing, and it was perfectly warm water. Oh my gosh, I want to go back to Virgin Islands. They also, so beyond just camping, they have um, cabins at this at Cinnamon Bay that you can rent. They also have eco tents that they're coming out with which are similar to the platform tents i think Ooh, fancy i know all right goodbye virgin islands let's move on so we the next campsite was also an amazing nestled beautiful um scenery when that's jumbo rocks in joshua tree national park yeah this one definitely had uh, enough people around us so it wasn't like you were secluded on your own but what was really cool was just the setting. So Joshua Tree is known for its huge boulders that are just in piles, like some big giant you know, threw a bunch of boulders into a pile all over the desert. And they uh, Jumbo Rocks is basically you can camp all in one of these huge kind of pile <laughs> boulder garden areas. 
so there are, there are designated sites though still yeah. but the, the sites themselves are really scenic they're really cool like where they'll you know the, it'll be it'll have a the site number and then you kind of have like an area where you can camp um so very developed and yeah. and you can uh, they vary a ton so we tried to go through the whole place picking out our the best one and i think we ended up with a pretty cool spot well remember this is the only this is the um the only time we got in trouble over the whole like with the rangers over the whole trip was yeah, here in Jim, jumbo rocks trouble is a very we got a uh, we got a warning Cole. loose term <laughs> like i uh i don't know i feel like it was like uh you have to camp. not not even slap on the wrist worthy it was kind of like hey guys remember um so ba- what we did was we just thought it would be really cool to set up our tent on the rocks like it was a little higher up so we kind of climbed up on one of the boulders where it was real flat and set up our tent there to get a little better view and basically we got a tag on our tent saying that you can't um do that you have to camp on the actual ground on the pad on inside the, the like tent pad yeah. basically boring i know whatever yeah. we then took our chairs up on top of all the boulders and set them up um and just had an amazing view of the sunset from you know 30 feet up on top of all these boulders yeah they say there's they say in joshua tree if you want to see a good sunset just start just climb up any rock and face the sunset and it's it was very true for us we did the sunsets there were beautiful we saw like i mean all of them were amazing it seemed yeah. like um, but Jumbo Rocks, $15 a night, first come, first serve, so make sure, and they do, it does fill up very fast because it's popular, it's beautiful, and people know that it's beautiful. Um, so go, maybe you spend one night at a different campsite and then drive over to Jumbo Rocks first thing in the morning or first thing, you know, mid-morning, I guess, and try to snag a spot where someone's leaving would be the best way to do that. Yeah. Okay, so number six was a, one of my most pleasant surprises, I'd say. Mm-hmm. In Redwood National Park, Flint Ridge Campground. This was, again, actually a backcountry, uh, technically, Tec- yeah, technically backcountry campsite. Yeah, and it's you get a free backcountry permit from the... the um, station the ranger station the visitor center yeah so we loved that already because the sites were pretty hard to come by when we were there for redwoods because i think they're booked and stuff like that i don't know you're adding an s to everything oh redwood national park oh yeah (laughs) i also do that all the time whoops Uh, all the times all the times i do's that Shall we talk about Flint Ridge? <laughs> okay, so Flint Ridge is, it's not, it's drive up kind of, but you also have to walk a quarter of a mile is all. So a quarter of a mile up this little hill. You park, first of all, where you park has just a beautiful view of the ocean. It's up on this ridge, um, obviously Flint Ridge. It's up on this ridge where you park and then you just hike kind of up even more behind you into um, into the ridge. And there are, what, five, six sites? I think it's eight, actually. Eight. It doesn't seem like a lot because they're so they're spread out. super spread out, and so you can kind of walk around and find the best one. Um, and they're all very nestled in the woods. It's mm-hmm. a, just a beautiful environment. And then a, several of them had views of the ocean, too, which is a huge bonus for me. And I think when we were there, it was only one other 
group each night. So super secluded. We never secluded. heard them, never even really passed by them Yeah. at all. Also the coolest toilet, one of the coolest toilets that we saw. It was like a castle, remember? The It was a little porta potty but it looked, it was like kind of done up, like made made it look like a castle. You don't remember that? I, th- I think by that point in your in the trip, the your standards for <laughs> toilets must have been very low. Yeah, you guys are gonna go and be like, uh, <laughs> "This is not a castle." Yeah, <laughs> and it was a we regular pit bad, toilet. Right? It's a pit toilet. Yeah, I said porta potty. It was a pit toilet, not a porta potty, I guess. But the way that it like the wood construction, it looks it was beautiful toilet, guys. <laughs> just trust me. Yeah, you'll go just for the toilet. Worth it. I mean. Yeah. Anyway, very, very pleasant. Not too far, maybe like a uh, half mile. And it was walk. also, it was also kind of situated in the middle of the park, north to south, like middle True. of the park. And so this was really good for us um, to access all of the different features. Like we could go north, we could go south, and then just leave our tent there and always come back to this um, one spot for the night, which we did. Mm-hmm. We also saw a bear. Pretty close. Not oh, yeah. not totally in our campsite or anything, but we saw a black bear kind of <laughs> rambling through the Yeah, while we were driving, I, maybe we kind of surprised it or something. Oh, it was and so scared. And all of a sudden, it tried to clamber up this really steep wall right next to the road, uh, this couldn't. wall of vegetation, and it fell down a little <laughs> bit, and then it tried again, and it fell down, and then finally it like just clawed its way up and just disappeared. It was cute. Yeah. Especially cute because we were in our car, right? Exactly. Yep. Um, all right. So number seven. Yeah, this is a really unique one. And this these are the boat up campsites in Voyagers National Park. Yeah, Voyagers in you know, the very top of Minnesota, right on the border. And this one had, um, we... I don't know. Do they have regular campsites at this? They do place? have some. There were none open when we were there. Okay. They cause... do have like if you have an RV, you can. T- you there are some campgrounds. I think that open for the summer. Yeah, because we were there in June, we're and there... there were not mm-hmm. any open. Like it. Didn't... Voyagers has a very weird window of time though, because remember, none of their ranger programs had even started either. Right. So um, wait till late June if yeah, you want to believe... take advantage of everything. I'm pretty sure they have. Um, drive up tent sites if you want but we had a, we have a kayak and there are also um, lots of you know ta- water taxis and things that could take you to a boat in site and, and leave you there yeah so for the night at Voyagers it's just a bunch of lakes and islands within those lakes huge lakes and all of the uh, th- these campsites are scattered around on all of these different islands so you can have if you reserve you know a certain site it could be where you have an island all yourself so that's exactly what we did Mm -hmm. and we got in our kayak and paddled out to you know just across the lake had to use our map to make sure we were going to the right island and try to navigate the way through the maze of other islands and ended up at you know our campsite which was amazing oh my gosh so beautiful just you know it's an island and and you're totally all by yourself so you you boat up and they're you know they're they're pretty well marked so you can kind of see and if you have a map of the other campsites you you'll pass by some and and then you can orient yourself as you go um but and they're they're so they're well marked you you boat you uh pull in you can there's 
ours did not have a dock, but it had like a little pull-in area. Yeah, beached our kayak. <clears throat> yeah, and then there are two tent pads and a pit toilet for each site, and a picnic table. Maybe a picnic table. Yeah, definitely a picnic, picnic table. That you can also do these um, as day use, which is kind of cool. So you can just you know boat in for the day if I think you still have to reserve that um, if you have your own boat. But we stayed overnight, and that which was sixteen dollars a night for the tent site plus a ten dollar service fee, which was kind of annoying for reserving because all of their reserving is online. Oh yeah. So, but if you were staying multiple nights, it's just that one time service fee. Yeah. Of ten dollars. And we had one of the best. So it's really nice sunset, but even better sunrise. And mm-hmm. I just kind of saw it by accident, really, because <laughs> I got up to use the bathroom probably, and um, it was gorgeous, just so pale pink, you know, all above the water, and it, yeah, it got. <coughs> just a, a beautiful picture of the you know islands and the water and the the sky um so check it out i'm pretty sure our site was r67 yeah when i looked at the map i know it was r because we left from the rainy lake um area the rainy lake visitor center and for the first night at least um but it was right out like uh, out on this tip where they the ranger actually recommended it because of the good sunset and sunrise views yeah. you could see from there. But it was just gorgeous. So that was around June this year. And then going the next, we got up into Alaska. So Alaska is actually our last three mm-hmm. sites. First Imagine up, that. number eight, Jumbo Creek Campground in Wrangell St. Elias National Park. And... <coughs> This was also great because it was free, but it was in the McCarthy area. So you drove into, you know, the McCarthy Road, which is really a long road to get into the middle of the park. Then you. It's in the Kennecott area. Yeah, thanks. Uh, So you drive to McCarthy, a little town. Then you take the shuttle into the Kennecott area, which is actually when you're in the the park and the visitor center area and all of that and then from there you can basically just hike a mile maybe a mile and a half this was was like 1.4 i think this was kind of a harder one to longer to get to because we had to do it every single day too we we hiked a lot (laughs) because this is the only campground there um in the park and the only developed camping area and if you if you backpack, if you want to camp backcountry, you have to go beyond, I think, a mile and a half or three miles or something away from Kennecott. So this was a really good option for that. We were one of maybe three, four at the most other campers, I think, at this campground. Um, you just hike out and you're you're hiking right along the... the um, Glacier. Yeah, Root Glacier. So on one side you are, look up and it's the uh, huge mountain that the mine is built on. And then on the other side you look down and you can just see this huge valley where two glaciers come together. Two really long glaciers flowing down from the mountains come together. And basically at that intersection was the site. You, mm-hmm. And you're kind of uh, camping in bare spots along the hillside. And 
um, you just look out over the glaciers and then beyond the glaciers is the mountain these mountains mm-hmm. Blackburn Mountain mm-hmm. uh, 18,000 feet I think yep crazy huge mountains just beyond the glacier and the reason we the probably the best part about this campground were, was the view and the view yeah. every morning like just out of our tent was just incredible filled up you know filled up the whole door of the tent with just mountains and glaciers and it's just amazing checked the other boxes too it was free mm-hmm. and totally secluded totally so, yeah so. yep they also they do have bear boxes which is good to know um they the sites are pretty undeveloped there are no were there bathrooms i don't think there were any pit toilets even but no. they're there they do have bear boxes where you can store your things yeah where you have to store your things <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah we don't mess around with that yeah speaking of storing your things number nine is in Katmai National Park in Alaska, and that's called Brooks Camp. So this one was really unique, and it wasn't, you know, it didn't really meet too many of our other requirements, actually, but it w- we just felt like it was so unique and uh, that we had to put it on here. Basically, I don't know, you should probably be talking about it, because if you want a, this one wins on the terror factor. The terror factor. Right. Yeah, it's just such a unique experience. So Brooks Camp, if you don't know, is probably the biggest destination people go to in Katmai National Park, and it's um, where the bears are. It's massive, mass amounts of, of brown bears, of grizzlies. And um, if you ever think of, like, the iconic grizzly bear catching salmon out of a waterfall, that happens at Brooks Camp. And so... Um, we wanted to go for that. We wanted to go for the classic Katmai experience. And so they do have, they have a lodge at Brooks Camp, which is, which are cabins that you can um, book, which are very expensive. They also have a campground. Um, and so we wanted to camp in the campground. Now you have to do this, you have to book online and they fill up about a year uh, maybe even a year and a half in advance. And so... Because it's the times when the bears are there are really specific. It's July and September when it's the best for the bears to catch the salmon. Mm-hmm. So that's the best photographs and that's the most people. And, and really that's the only pl- time people can go there too because of the weather. You know, in the summer it's pretty narrow window. True. Yeah, so that was uh, just a great... Um, I don't know. So we basically we got... We tried to reserve it, and it was completely booked, no spots available. So we started checking back basically every week, starting... (coughs) We started checking back basically every week, starting six months out. Um, And finally, like a couple weeks before, we found that people had canceled, which we heard sometimes happens... Uh, and then the, we grabbed the two last spots for our couple days. Yeah, so people, when when the window opens up, they grab, like, several different weeks of spots, and they, they just pay for all those weeks, not knowing when they'll, the exact time they'll be able to go, um, and then they'll cancel, you know, once they have their week down, once they have all their other travel plans down. So we heard that this happens a lot, and sure enough, it happened to us, we were able to book it from Kotzebue, which is funny because we were spending a couple days in another remote place in Alaska. We had internet and we were able to reserve our um, campground spots in Brooks Camp, which 
I was very relieved because the the campground here has an electric fence, which if you have, you know, if you have the the uh, spot inside the campground, you get to be inside the fence. And if you don't, then you have to back, you know, technically backpack, which you have to hike a mile and a half away from the developed area of Brooks Camp. And then you don't have an electric fence. <laughs> and there are tons, like the bears here are just everywhere all the time. You just, you'll be walking down the path and there's a bear and you have to turn around and go the other way. Or the rangers will stop you and you'll have to wait a couple hours for this, you know, gigantic bear to finish taking his nap <laughs> in the middle of the trail. <laughs> yeah. And so it made me feel a lot better to be inside the campground. You know, a bear could get through the electric fence, but just having that made me feel a lot safer. <laughs> Yeah, and you never know. That's the, the coolest thing about the campsite was just you never know when you're going to see a bear, you know, going to and from the campsite or also just the kind of excitement around the camp with, you know, people talking about what the bears did this day and, you know, how what good of shots they got and when mm-hmm. what they saw when they came, you know, 5 years ago. Um, so it was just really cool to be part of that atmosphere. Also, the, the actual amenities were really nice. They had nice shelters to cook and eat at. They had nice you know, storage for the, your like a whole your like a little mini everything. cabin where you had to store all your food. Yeah, and yeah, you were all kind of packed together inside the fence, um, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was nice to just be a part of and then of course you were so close to the to all the bears that you could walk anywhere and and see them um yeah definitely reserve extra early if you're going to try to get a spot at brooks camp but it's definitely worth it it's really cool experience and there's not much else like that in the nps so let's wrap it up number 10 our last (laughs) top campsite at Denali National Park, Wonder Lake Campground. Possibly one of the best experiences we had on our whole trip. It was our last park, which probably had something to do with it. And we um, got to see Denali from the campground um, on our last morning when we were about to leave the campground and leave, you know, the backcountry area, the back, not the backcountry, but the, the back part of the park. We had to be shuttled out in and out. And so the last morning where we were going to have to go back to the main part of the park where you can't even really see Denali, she came out bright and early and beautiful and full on, no clouds. It was amazing after not having seen the mountain at all for three days. Our anticipation had been building so much because we knew the odds were slim that we would see the mountain. We also knew the forecast looked pretty bad. It was cloudy, you know, the whole time we were there for the first two, three days. And then, like Elizabeth said, just as we had given up hope, we had seen, you know, kind of a sliver of the slope one day, which had gotten us really excited. And we thought that was the best we're getting. So we're happy with that. Um, then, you know, the. <coughs> 4 a.m. the last night we woke up and it was just bam right there Mm -hmm. the whole mountain range too that it was a part of crystal clear and we just ran around getting a ton of pictures and we before this we had no idea where the mountain was in relation to our campsite because we had it was everything was just so cloudy you couldn't see any mountains so just being able to finally see it um, and and see what 
everybody had been talking about all the pictures you saw on the you know display boards and everything uh, was incredible it was such a relief such a, a you know release of anticipation mm-hmm. yeah one of the top moments of the trip for me definitely definitely um and the and it's also something you know anytime someone mentions denali and they're going camping they all like anytime we mentioned that other people would say oh are you going to wonder like like it's this sought after site too um this sought after campground and just a really cool experience regardless of you know maybe the weather's bad still really cool to be all the way back in the very back of the park well where the you know the farthest point that the road takes you to um and just there are going to be other people around the sites are pretty they're not you know they're not super secluded or anything um but the just the environment's really really cool there were moose wandering through the through the campground every day um there were a couple of good ranger programs um a good shelter where you could cook and food caches yeah, the moose came right up to that shelter while yeah. you were cooking. Yeah, it was pretty scary, actually. <laughs> yeah, and blackberries, super blueberries. Ton- oh, it what? Yeah, blueberries. blueberries. Tons Ever. of blueberries. Yeah, and they encourage you to eat them too. Um, and they're so sweet and delicious, like little tiny little blueberries. Um, but you can pick as many as you want to and eat them, and they're delicious, safe, and amazing so the campground $16 a night just if you wanted to know $16 a night plus you have to get the camper shuttle bus to the back which is $34 per person so not the cheapest of experiences but if you go to Denali and don't get and you don't take a shuttle to the back that seems kind of like a waste (laughs) and if you you make it all the way to Denali chances are you traveled pretty far to get to the park don't you know don't um be cheap in this sense and and it's the cheapest shuttle bus back to the back, too. So yeah. and you can get on and off different camper buses at different stops along the way. Because you basically have to get on the bus, the shuttle, to get any type of view of Denali. Um, and it's tricky because if you're just doing it for the day, you may have a totally clear day the whole day or you know you may see at the visitor center there's a Denali cam and it may be totally clouded in the morning so you don't get tickets but then it clears up in the afternoon and you could have seen an amazing view or uh, what you know why we liked being out and going all the way back to Wonder Lake and staying a few nights was you had so many chances to see the the mountain and we used up all of those chances and and finally got it Mm -hmm. so yeah just amazing wouldn't trade it for anything and that wraps up our top 10 easy access campsites of the trip now this is by no means a comprehensive list um we had a you know there are tons of campsites i'm sure amazing campsites that we missed out on because of weather and because of the roads being closed and and um you know, visiting in the off season and, and just not, you know, not knowing about all the different sites. So please tell us what your favorite campsites are. Yeah. And we also (laughs) took off, had to take off, you know, for even once we whittled it down to our favorites there, we were still over the limit. So we trimmed a couple ourselves, uh, but so many amazing campsites in the parks. Uh, I, oh, I just want to, Go back right now. Do you want to go back to Death Valley right now? Oh, you, no. Not, we did not say quite. we would t- talk about our least 
favorite campsite or least favorite campsite of the whole trip. Yeah, it's <laughs> Death Valley in, you know, right across it's from Sunset Campground specifically. Yeah, right across from the Furnace Creek Resort basically. Ex- yeah, legitimately a parking lot, a gravel parking lot. Yeah, I don't think you could call it anything else. It's just a big gravel square with that that has probably hundreds of sites. Right, and just lined up right next to each other like a parking lot. Yep, and still fifteen Mostly bucks RVs for a site that of they don't gravel have to maintain it all. Yeah, that's about <laughs> like five by ten or whatever feet. And it was so windy the night that we were there that that's when our tent got torn to shreds. Yeah, and because our it's... tent that had lasted you know six month the first six months of the trip the first eight months of yeah, the trip yeah. And because it's freaking uh, bedrock on right underneath the gravel, you can't drive in stakes yeah. anywhere. So we had bungeed the the stakes to different, you know, to like part of the car. One was to like to the camp, uh, the campground site number sign. One was to something else, and it just flapped around all night and yeah. ripped right through. And it was supposed to rain that night, so we wanted to keep the flap the tent fly on, and it did actually rain. We took it the fly off for a little bit. Anyway, yeah, it was a disaster. It was ripped Every, in a hundred pieces. Everybody's places. everybody was a disaster. Everybody was chasing out down their tent pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go, just make sure you have other ways to tie down your tent than staking it in um, anchors, whatever. But. <laughs> Also, if you go, try whatever you can to not have to camp at sunset. Right. There are plenty of other options. You can drive to a backcountry site and just, like, pitch a tent there. Avoid it like the plague. Yeah, definitely. So. Bad experiences, though, were rare on our trip. <laughs> yes. And so we don't necessarily want to leave with that, but think <laughs> about the other ten we talked about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks for checking us out today. We'll be back next week to feature two national parks that you may have never heard of. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, or find us on social media. And you can always get additional national parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out. <laughs>